Well, good morning. It's great to be with you guys today. Last week I was down in Tennessee and Atlanta, and I'm glad to be back with you. I, I got really excited months ago because I've really been looking forward to preaching through uh, the book of Jonah. And so I got, you know, this idea, and, and then me being the amazing planner that I am, I put it on a month that I was going to be gone twice. And so I, <laughs> I'm kind of bummed about that, but I'm also really thankful. I've said this once before for uh, Pastor Kaylin and Pastor Shane, who have done such a great job um, just bringing God's Word to us, and I'm thankful uh, just that you get to hear from so many uh, great voices that just God's Word. And, and so I'm, I'm looking forward today to getting into Jonah chapter 4. This is the, the last week of our series, and, and I'm not excited about it because this is a fun message to preach. I'm excited about it because I think it's something that's very real to us, and, and I think that I needed to hear, and I think we need to hear. And so we're going to be looking at Jonah 4, but first I just real quick want to touch back. I told you about September 10th, which is Friends Day. We want you to be inviting your friends. Uh, but another date that I want you to have on your calendars is September 24th. We've told you over the last month or so that uh, Pastor Deb has been planning to retire and move to Florida for quite a while, and that day is coming quickly. And so September 24th is going to be Pastor Deb's last Sunday with us, and we're going to do our best to celebrate uh, her years of ministry, 22 plus years here at Westchester, and more before that at other churches. And so we're so thankful for her, and we're going to celebrate her on September 24th. And so just put that on your calendar. There'll be a dinner after church, and we're going to have some fun, and we're going to laugh, and, you know, I'll probably cry, but maybe some of you will. Uh, but we're going to celebrate her and, and celebrate, you know, God's ministry through her. The other thing that I want to tell you, and this is some really good news, is that we have hired a new worship pastor. We hired a guy named Brad Pollen. He's moving up here from just south of Atlanta, Georgia. He and his wife, Ashley, have two daughters, um, Libby and Andy. Uh, Libby will be in the youth group, Andy will be in, in sixth grade, and so we're excited for them to come. Brad's been serving for 12 years um, down south of Atlanta, and they'll be coming up. Actually, their first Sunday, get this, is going to be September 24th, <laughs> so we're going to have just a really cool bye, Deb, celebrate Deb, welcome, Polins, and so, so we're excited, though. We're, we're thrilled. Listen, I have been dreading, I'll just be honest with you, I've been dreading for a long time Pastor Deb leaving. But I praise God that God is always faithful and God is always working. And I want you to know that I'm excited about what God has for the future of our church. And so mark that date, September 24th. Actually, the Polins will be here next Sunday. They're coming up just to check out the area a little bit more and let their daughter see it. So you'll probably get to meet them up here next Sunday. But mark September 24th on your calendar. Now, Jonah, the story of Jonah, an incredible story. And, um, and here's the thing, Jonah's, the story of Jonah is, is all about God's grace and God's love and God's mercy, but what we see in chapter 4, a big part of the story of Jonah is, is Jonah's struggle to accept God's grace and God's mercy. Jo Jonah's struggle to really get on board with who God is and what God's doing in the world around him. And, and so this is... This is I didn't speak last week. I was, I was actually down in Tennessee, and we decided to go. I was down with some friends in Knoxville <clears throat> or in Pigeon Forge, and, and we were staying in a cabin, and then we had the idea to drive down to Atlanta. So, you know, Cincinnati's here, Knoxville's here, Atlanta's down here, and we had the idea to leave on Sunday and drive down to Atlanta to go to a baseball game and then turn around and drive back home. 
And so that was genius. You're getting a little glimpse into my mind and, and how brilliant I am. <laughs> but, but what happened, it, it got even crazier because one of my friends had to fly out, and his flight was at 6 o'clock from the Knoxville airport. And so I had to take him to the airport and drop him off at 4.30 a.m. You guys know I'm not a morning person. And so I got up and I drove down there. The airport's about an hour from our cabin, and it was an hour closer to Atlanta. And so I got there at 4.30, and I thought, man, I don't really want to drive back to the cabin just to turn around a couple hours later and drive back here. So I thought, I'm just going to hit the road, and I'm going to start driving to Atlanta at 4.30 in the morning. And so, I, and, and honestly, I, I wanted to go to church. I thought, if I go down there, then I can sleep a little bit, and then I can go to church. And so I got on the road, and from about 4.30 to 7 a.m., I was driving. Have any of you ever driven from 4.30 a.m. to 7 a.m.? Okay, there is not a more clear thinking time than 4.30 to 7 a.m. Like, there's nobody else on the road, and it was just like deep, deep thoughts, which is a scary thing. But, but I knew, you know, the story that we were working on this week, and I got to tell you, in those moments in the car with, with just God and I, God started speaking to me. And the reason that I'm excited about God's Word today is because I think it's, it's really a serious thing for us in the church to get Jonah's struggle to accept who God is and what God wants to do in the world around him and in the lives of the Ninevites, Jonah's struggle for that keeps him from experiencing God's best. And I want to say this, listen, we're going to get after it a little bit today. Kids, I'm sorry you're in here. We're going to get after it a little bit because I believe sometimes we are kept from God's best because we can't fully embrace and accept his love and his grace for the world around us. I, I really believe this. I believe that God wants to pour his spirit out on the church, that God wants to bless us over and over again. But sometimes I think in the church, we get in a place where we love his grace, we love that he saves us, but we struggle with seeing that for the world around us. So let's look at Jonah chapter 4. I'm actually going to read chapter 3, verse 10, but go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. And we stand because we believe that God speaks, that this Word is living and active, and that the Holy Spirit speaks to us through His Word. So my prayer is, just like from 4.30 to 7 a.m. last Sunday, I was in the car and God was just speaking to me. My prayer is today, not that you'll hear me, but that you'll hear from God. And that if there's anything that needs to be dealt with, You'll be obedient to lay it all out before him. So, so here it is, verse 10 of chapter 3. It's not going to be on the screen. We'll start at chapter 4 there. But it says, When God saw what the Ninevites had done and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So, so Jonah had, had run from God. God said, I want you to go speak to the Ninevites and, and tell them what they're doing is wrong. And Jonah says no and runs in the opposite direction. And he ends up in a ton of trouble, hitting rock bottom. And at that point, he says, okay, God, I'm back in. I'll do what you tell me. And so he goes to Nineveh and he preaches. And the Ninevites actually turn and they repent. And here in verse 10, it says, when God saw that, he relented. And he didn't bring that destruction. So let's look at chapter 4. This is where the struggle continues. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? 
This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Tarshish, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, that you were slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take, my li- take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant. He made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed through the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And once again, he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah says, it is. And I'm so angry that I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, listen, you have been concerned about this plant, but you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? And that right there is the end of the story. (laughs) That's an interesting place for the story to end, isn't it? Have a seat. Let's work through this. So, so, so this is just a... I want to tell you, I, I believe that this story ends at this place for a reason. See, we don't really get the resolution of what Jonah says next. We don't, it doesn't say all of a sudden Jonah gets it and everything's fine. This kind of leaves us at a place that we have to struggle with the question that God's asking. And so there's three parts to this we're going to work through. Number one... Uh, Jonah struggles to cope with God's grace for others, especially for the Ninevites. Number two, his struggle with that causes major problems for his faith. And number three, we see this beautiful picture of who God is, and and God gives him a picture of his grace and love. And, And so here's the thing. My prayer today is that God will speak to us, and if any of us are struggling to see God's grace and love for the people around us, I pray that God will show us and that we will obediently follow him. So chapter four starts with Jonah questioning God. It says, uh, at this point, he, God has saved the Ninevites and, and Jonah's angry. He's mad. He, he says, this is wrong. This is, is this not the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard that Jonah's mad about God's grace at this point? Think through the story. Jonah ran from God. He, he knew God. He was a prophet of God, and he chose to run away and be disobedient. He ended up in the belly of a whale and hitting rock bottom. It literally says he's at the base of the mountains. He's at the bottom of the sea, and Jonah realizes that he's, he's done for, and it says he cries out to God and says, God, save me. And what does God do? God shows him grace, and God saves him. And then he follows to Nineveh, and he preaches, and what does God do? God does what God does and saves the people of Nineveh. And Jonah can't wrap his head around it. He says, this is wrong. Who is Jonah at this point in the story to say that God's grace is wrong for somebody else? 
but he's struggling to get it. He's, he's mad, and it's, it's because he knew all along who God was, but he can't accept who God is. It, it says earlier, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, that you were slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah knew exactly who God was when this story started, and nothing's changed, and now he's mad at God, and he's angry, and, and he finds himself at this crisis of faith. And it even says, this is a part that I think is really relatable for us, because it says he walks out of the city, and he sits down outside the city and watches to wait and see what happens to the city. God's already said he's saving the city, right? The city's repented. Jonah's mad about it, and he goes out, and he sits down and watches because he wants to see what's happening. You know what I think's happening here? Jonah's rooting for the city of Nineveh to fail. God's already said what he's going to do. Why would Jonah not just walk away? Why go sit down and watch? Because there's only two things I can think. Number one, Jonah is, he knows that those evil, wicked people are going to fail. And so he's sitting back and he's like, yeah, God, you can save them, whatever, but just watch, they're going to blow it. And he's watching, waiting to see what happens. The only other thing I can think is that Jonah thinks he's really smart and he's sitting back saying, you know, God's going to realize that I've got this right and he's, got, he's sitting there waiting to see what God's already said he's going to do happen. And this is where I think this is kind of relatable to us. And listen, uh, from 4.30 to 7 last week, I, I just was made completely aware that I'm more like Jonah than I want to admit. And that we, while it's easy to read a biblical story and say, man, that guy is dense, we are more like Jonah than we want to admit sometimes. And I can just relate with this, because how often do you say something like, you know what, I forgive them, but just wait. It'll catch up to them. Just wait. They're going to get it. Just, and we, it's like we sit back sometimes, and we say, you know what, I'll forgive them, but I'm going to sit over here, and I'm going to wait for them to blow it, because I know they're going to blow it, and then God's going to get them. That's where Jonah's at here. He can't accept the grace that God shows. So two problems I see here. Number one, he thinks that he deserves God grace, God's grace and others do not deserve it. And number two, he thinks that he is the one who gets to decide who gets God's grace. So, so let's just stop here. I'm just going to bet that, that, that all of us have found ourselves a time or two thinking that we deserve God's grace and somebody else doesn't. See, we live in a culture that, that likes to draw lines, don't we? Nod your head if you know that we live in a culture that likes to draw lines and pick sides and get in different camps. That's the world we live in. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's how we are, right? We like to build walls. We like to draw lines. We like to figure out who's on what side. Let's just get, let's just get the elephant in the room out there. Politically, we draw sides, don't we? And it doesn't matter what the other side does, it's wrong because they're not on our side, right? We, we draw lines, we build walls, and we take sides. This is part of the human nature. 
I mean, you're either a, a Jordan person or a LeBron person or you're a Bengals fan or you're a Steelers fan. Even with sports, we draw lines. We are people that way too often build walls between us. Listen, if you've attended any church for longer than 20 or 30 years, you've probably seen in that church lines drawn and walls built. And listen, can I just be clear here? A couple things. Number one, I'm not preaching at you because I'm guilty of these same things. And number two, I'm not saying the church is rotten or wrong. I'm saying part of our human condition is that we're people that like to draw lines and pick sides and build walls. Here's what I want you to get today. Our God is not a God of walls. Our God is not a God that wants to draw lines and look at some that are evil and some that aren't. Our God is a God that builds bridges. And that's the struggle for Jonah, right? Because he wants to draw a line. He thinks that he's on the good side and they're on the bad side and this side doesn't deserve grace, but his side does and that's wrong. Our God is a God that builds bridges, not walls. The second thing is that he thinks he gets to say who's worthy and who's not, that it's his job to pick who's worthy and who's not. And I was thinking about this last week as I was driving. I was thinking about the fact that, that we all think we're on the right side, correct? Are, are there any of you that just think you're rotten and wrong and that everyone else in the world is right but you're wrong? No. We all think we're the good guys, right? All of us think that our way is right, and their way is wrong, and we draw lines and we build walls. But here's the thing that dawned on me last week. I'm going to say this with 100% certainty. I'll bet there's not a person in this room who somebody else doesn't think is wrong or evil. I googled Billy Graham this week. Billy Graham, the great preacher. Billy Graham People, some people believe he was a false prophet. Google any megachurch pastor. Google any person. Google any athlete. There are people that think that they're evil. There's always going to be people because we draw lines and build walls, and we like to be on sides. And the truth of the matter is, at some point in your life, somebody's seen you at your worst. Somebody's seen you react the wrong way or have the wrong attitude, and I guarantee you, there's not a person in this room that there's not somebody else that views as the other side, the wrong. Even if you've tried to do right, there's people that are going to view you as wrong. And, and so here's what I want to get at here. Jonah thinks that he deserves grace and they don't. Jonah thinks that it's up to him to decide who's right and wrong. Here's what I want you to know. It's not. It's God's choice. God is the one. God is the judge. And can I tell you that's the best news in the world? Because if we were the judges, we would all be doomed. But God is the one true judge. And here's what Jonah says about God. He says, I know that you're gracious and loving. You're abounding in love and that you relent 
from sending calamity. You don't want to destroy others. Jonah's saying God is a God of love and grace. God wants to save people, not to build walls and lines, but to build bridges. That's the best news in the world for us. Can you guys just say amen? Amen. Because we wouldn't be saved if God wasn't a God of love and grace. But Jonah thinks he gets to, uh, he thinks he gets to draw the lines. But God is gracious and compassionate. So, so this brings us to the main predicament, that if God is a God abounding in love, then we can't love and worship God and root against other people. Hear me out on this. You can't come to church and say that you love God with all your heart. You can't come to church and truly worship God and root against other people. Why? Because God's heart, God's character is for other people. If you're against other people, you're against God's will and God's plan. Period. If we want to worship truly, if we really want to love God... We can't root against, we can't sit back and say, just wait. They're going to blow it. They're going to get what they deserve. We've got to be a people that build bridges, not walls. And listen, it's not just that we accept, it's not just that we accept his love and his grace. It's that we have to accept who he is. See, sometimes we're really good, like Jonah, at saying, I accept your grace for me, but, but here's the thing. If God is a God abounding in love, a God that loves others, then to truly worship him means that we have to accept his love for others. And we have to follow in that love. And so if we truly want to worship, we have to accept who God is. And if we can't, what we see in the book of Jonah, in the story of Jonah, is that it'll bring us to a place that we are at odds with God and we can't live under his grace. Jonah can't accept it. And what happens? He comes to a place, he's a little bit dramatic, let's be honest. He comes to a place that he says, listen, it's better for me to die than to live in this world where God saves people like them. Here's the crazy part. It's not those people that suffer when we can't accept God's grace for them. It's us. We become at odds with our Creator and our Savior. And so we not only accept His grace for us, we have to be able to accept who He is and follow Him in it. This brings us to to the last part. Jonah's angry. He's rooting against him. And so God kind of brings another lesson. And listen, I know this is, I know this is uh, kind of challenging. It seems kind of um, cr- cruel of God. But what God's trying to do is once again point Jonah in the right direction. And so what, when he's sitting there rooting against others, God provides this leafy plant that gives him shade and comfort. And Jonah loves the plant. We all love comfort, don't we? We all love shade on a hot day, Right? Yes, the bus stop every day this week. There's one tree that provides shade. That's where I'm standing. I love that tree. God provides this plant, and Jonah loves the plant because it's comfortable for him. But then God takes the plant away. 
And, and then the, the scorching winds come, and, and, and Jonah becomes very uncomfortable. And once again, he gets really dramatic, and he says, I just want to die. And, and, and God says in verse 10, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left, and animals too. So, so here's the deal. Jonah can't accept God's grace for the Ninevites, and that leads Jonah to a, a crisis of faith where he can't even live under God's grace because he can't accept who God is. And now God shows us this beautiful picture of who he is. I, I want you to hear this. Um, I, I told you we draw lines, we, we build walls, we... Maybe there's some people in your life that, that you view as the enemy. They're different. Maybe they're, maybe they're actively trying to hurt you. And we view them as evil, rotten people. And what do we do? We draw lines. We build walls. And, and, and God says, he teaches them this lesson. He says, listen, that plant... It's not yours to judge. It's not yours to decide about. It's mine. And then he says there's 120,000 people in, in Nineveh. Should I not care about them? You know what God's saying right here? God's saying those are my people. The same way that plant was my plant that I created and I took away. These are my people. Church, listen to me. We are not just the chosen ones and everyone else misses it. We're not the only ones God cares about. God created all the people of the world and God's desire is for all the people of the world to come to know him and be saved by him. And so we sometimes get in the habit of, of drawing lines and building walls, but what God wants to do is build bridges. There's this phrase in here that I think is so important. It says uh, there's more than 120,000 people. And it doesn't say there's more than 120,000 people who are rotten, evil, no good, you know, the scum of the earth. It says there's 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left. What God's saying here is these people aren't evil. They're lost. They're confused. They're broken. And what they need is the truth and a savior. They need a bridge, not a wall. He says, those are my people, and I love them, and I created them. He says, they don't even know what they're doing. They're confused. They don't know their right hand from their left hand. And, and so here's, here's what we're getting at today. Listen, this is so important because in the church, I'm convinced we miss out on some of God's greatest blessings because we can't really accept that our God is a God abounding in love and grace and that our God wants to save the world around us. We sit in the church and we say, those people, they don't deserve it. I've had people ask, hey, what would you do if those people walked in your church? I'd praise God. I would praise God. Can, can, let's just get this out here. Let's just, I mean, let's just make it super uncomfortable. 
40 years ago, 50 years ago, those people in the church were people that, you know, drank or smoked. I mean, my grandpa was one of those. My dad's dad, he, he smoked and he didn't come to church all the time. And, and when he did, the people of the church viewed him as those people and said, he doesn't belong here. You know what, today, it's maybe not that, but today it's probably issues of sexuality and we're really good in the church of saying, listen, God's grace is great and God loves and wants to save everybody that, that agrees with us. Those people. Are God's people. And please hear me, I'm not saying that, that people that are living in sin are are okay and that we should accept it and that we should condone it and that we should think it's okay. What I'm saying is that God wants the church to build bridges, not walls. And that when we see people that are on the other side from us and we say they're evil, they're messed up, God sees people that are lost and that need to know a savior. Do you know that the church has been declining year after year. You know why the church is declining? Because we've gotten really good at hiding behind our wall. And we're not willing to accept that the God that created us and the God that saves us created and wants to save all of his children. We see this beautiful picture of this in Luke 23. Jesus is being crucified. They're putting him on a cross. And we, we see in the story that there are these soldiers that are beating him. They're, they're making fun of him. They're spitting on him. They steal his clothes and they're, you know, they're raffling him off. They're doing all this stuff. They're just being vile, evil. They're doing evil things. Luke 23, it says, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Does that sound familiar? God says those Ninevites don't know their right hand from their left. Jesus says, forgive the people that are murdering me because they don't even know what they're doing. When we see evil, rotten, wicked people, God sees his children. And God wants us to build bridges. This, is, this blows my mind. Jesus, as he's dying on a cross, is building a bridge for the people that put him there. And we, if we're going to truly worship and love God, we have to be willing to build bridges. We have to be willing to accept who God is and accept his love for others, and we have to be a part of it. We are called, as the church, to be a part of building bridges to the Ninevites, to the people that we see as the worst of the worst. God's not calling us to draw lines. Worship team, you can come on up. So here's the deal. I, I want this to be really personal for you. 
I think this story is left off where it is because I think God wants us to be working through this in our own heart. Here's the thing. Once again, I'm not preaching at you. God's been preaching to me about this. There may be some relationships in your life where you've drawn some lines, you've built some walls. There may be some people that, sure, maybe they're, they're doing things that are terrible, maybe they're, maybe they're doing some things that are evil. I want you to know that God doesn't want us to build walls, God wants us to build bridges. And so maybe there's somebody, listen, I'm not saying you've got to be best friends with everyone. I'm not saying you've got to let someone hurt you or abuse you. This is what I am saying. We are called. In a world full of lines and walls, we are called to be a people that build bridges. Maybe there's someone in your life that you need to send a message to this week. Maybe there's somebody that you need to take a step in forgiveness that you need to accept God's grace for them, and you need to build a bridge. Listen, here, here's the other part of this. Why don't you stand with me? Here's the other part of this. The, the church isn't declining just because a few people don't get it. You know, statistics tell us that, I, I said this in pre-service, 82% of people, if they were invited, would seriously consider coming to church. You know what other statistics tell us? That only 2% of the people in the church actually invite unchurched people to come. That's pretty fascinating, isn't it? One problem is when we build walls. The other problem is when we just get comfortable and we sit and we do nothing and we receive every week and we say, God, I love your grace. Thank you so much. Keep pouring it out. And we miss the fact that God wants us to go and to invite and to love and to serve. So here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to pray, and I want you to be praying. If there is a relationship in your life that you need to build a bridge in, I want you to be praying about that. If maybe you've been one of those people that's just been warming up a seat every week or soaking in God's love, I want you to pray about God's calling for us to be a part of his mission to redeem the world around us. I want to pray for us, and I want you to respond. If you want to come pray here at an altar. There's no shame in that. If you need to come lay something out here, if there's a relationship that's broken, bring it up here and, and bring it before God. Every one of you, I want you to pray as we sing this song, Lord, speak to me. Call me. Make me an instrument of your grace. Father, I pray that you'd be with each one of us now. I thank you for your word and I thank you for the story of Jonah. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help us each right now to open our hearts. I pray that you would point out anything that needs to be turned over to you. I pray that we'd surrender and be obedient. We love you, Lord. We put it all in your hands now in Jesus' name.